0: Welcome to the podcast series, Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. I'm Stacey Jafta, and today I'll be chatting with Sebastian Cohen, co-founder and CEO of GrowWise Capital. GrowWise designs business funding solutions tailored to best meet your business needs. Their business model is built on giving South Africa businesses an opportunity to grow. Sebastian, how are you?
1: Hey, Stacey, how's it going?
0: Good, good, good. A couple of weeks ago, I heard you refer to yourself as Seb. Is that like close friends only, what the general public call you?
1: No. So my name is uh, Sebastian Cohen, but uh, everyone calls me Seb or Sebi. I don't generally go by
0: Sebastian. Okay, I don't know if I've earned the right to call you that yet, but we'll see what You've this podcast is. you definitely earned the right. <laughs> okay, Sebi, let's see how this goes. Okay, before we dive any deeper, I think it would be a great place to just understand more about your career journey. You're this young entrepreneur and you're building this incredible business and I want to hear all about it.
1: Okay, great. I'll give you a bit of background about myself. My name's Sebastian Cohen. Um, I'm CEO and co-founder of GrowWise Capital. I founded GrowWise Capital with my brother, whose name is Maximilian, or Max, and my partner and friend from school, John T. Strimling. Um, just to give you a breakdown of how we manage it, Max, is a chief operations officer, so he manages all our operations, and John T. is our chief risk officer, so he manages risk, which I'm sure, as you can imagine, is a, quite an important role to have in a business yeah. like ours. Um, I went to King David Victory Park for high school, I then uh, moved on to WITS to where I studied an undergraduate. That was in 2014, I started. Um, after that, I did a little bit of studying abroad um, for about a year. Um, studying abroad and spending time abroad was probably the most formative time of my life. I got where did you exposure. Go? I spent uh, time in the Middle East, time Ooh, in the US, I, nice. I moved around. But um, I would say that was the most formative time, you know, as an entrepreneur for me, because I got exposure. It was the first time that I really got exposure to different people. I started learning a lot about the global world, um, understanding different business concepts, concepts that maybe weren't in South Africa yet. Um, So that was a very formative time for me. I came back to South Africa at the beginning of 2019, um, recharged and ready to take on something new and exciting. Um, and yeah, I, I thought that, you know, merchant financing and merchant cash advances is a really exciting space, something that uh, ha, had maybe been undertapped in South Africa at that point. There were a few guys doing it already, but I thought that, you know, the market could uh, facilitate or, or or could use uh, a couple more guys like us. Um, I always say, and whenever I'm pitching grow well, not pitching, but explaining what GrowWise Capital does, I'll never forget sitting... And watching Sona, the State of the Nation Address in 2019, and, and yeah. the president stood up, and he said that you know SMEs are the backbone of South Africa. That they were projecting that by the year 2030, 90, 98 to ninety nine of South Africa's employment would be attributed to SMEs, wow. and that we were really we were really relying on SMEs to be sort of like I said, the backbone and and, and a massive economic contributor. So I just remember sitting, watching Sona and saying to myself, well, you know, Seb, it's a no-brainer. This is a market that's growing and is growing rapidly. Um, At the same time, this is a sort of a sector that's going to contribute so greatly to South Africa's economy and to South Africa's economic growth. Um, And I think that was really the turning point for me when I started GrowWise Capital was literally sitting at Sona well, sitting at my TV watching Sona, and hearing these stats come out with these projections. To give you a bit of background, Growwise Capital is a merchant cash advance company or an alternate lender. We specialise in assisting uh, assisting SMEs with working capitals, you know, working capital solutions, or, or you know, giving them cash flow. Um, that's pretty much our core product, and that's what we've tried to focus on since inception. And uh, we we've, we've gotten pretty good at it. I'd say uh, we've gotten really good at it. Um, we're really, like I said, we're really driven by the fact that this is something that contributes greatly to South Africa's economy. And if we can do our part in, in assisting companies in growing, um, invariably, you know, some won't, won't be able to grow. But if we can assist the guys that have the potential to grow, the guys that don't necessarily qualify for bank financing or, or you know, conventional lending solutions, um, that's something that we're really motivated by and driven by.
0: Did you mention that you started this business when you came back from studying abroad?
1: Correct. I started in 2019. I think I got back to South Africa around February or or March 2019. We spent about two and a half to three months workshopping and then we went live.
0: Did you have any corporate experience or work at any other startups prior?
1: It's really interesting because I actually didn't.
0: So interesting.
1: Yeah, I'd had a lot of exposure. I'd always been very interested in business. And uh, I mean, I'll, I'll definitely tap into it at some point of the, of the podcast. But, uh, you know, I'd always had an unbelievable mentoring structure and, uh, you know, unbelie- unbelievable sort of group of people that would mentor me and uh, assist me and explain concepts to me and, and really dedicate the time to, you know, dedicate time to me whether they saw something in me or not, I'm not sure, but it was something that really, really paved the way to me starting GrowWise Capital. And I still tap into that mentoring network today. Um, I I had had work experience a little bit in in sales understanding, you know, in depth, you know, the sales system and stuff like that, but I didn't have a a massive corporate background coming into GrowWise.
0: And the rest of your co-founders?
1: So my brother Max has a similar background to me, uh, pretty much copy and paste. Actually, we we have we have uh, very much parallel to backgrounds. And then my partner John T. Strimling is an actuary by trade. So yeah. he 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 studied actuarial science and actuarial honours, um, and then straight after the honours he came into Crow US.
0: What was that learning curve like? Because you had to learn so much on the job, never mind learning how to build a business, learning how to run a business, but what tools to use, what processes to go about. How did you learn how to execute your vision? Like Where did you gain inspiration and, and methodology?
1: That's an interesting question. Um, first of all, just to give you a bit of background, running a finance company is a very capital intensive very capital intensive business and i'm not sure that's something we had realized at the time we may have (laughs) been a bit immature in in that realization it took us a little bit of time to realize that but um it it definitely was an uphill battle and and you know it was a fight to get going and get started we did a lot of learning on the job um yeah it was you know you sort of have to break it up into into the challenges that you face and we we sort of We sort of broke it up into two main challenges. What are the challenges we face today, and what are the challenges we're facing six months from now? And we sort of had to understand that we need to be solving today's challenges, but we also need to be preparing for the challenges that come in six months' time. And how do we how do we make sure that when you know when those bumps come up in six months' time that we were prepared, we knew what was coming, and we to at least some sort of some sort of To some level, we're able to mitigate and and be prepared for those challenges. Um, And I mean, I'm happy to go more in depth with that through the podcast, but it's definitely definitely a situation where we did a lot of learning on the job. It's crazy for, for, for two, two and a half years, YouTube was my best friend, you know?
0: Yes. Yes. So many people have great ideas, but it's those that execute it well that succeed. So what was your process to seeing your vision come to life? It's about more than just wealth. It's about crafting life experiences, seizing opportunities, and building a legacy. Subscribe now to the Make More with Matt Heslin podcast and join us every week for new expert insights and inspiration.
1: First of all, you know, the, the central tenant I think, of any, of any well-executed business or entrepreneurial idea is uh, the hunger. So we definitely came in hungry and we were also realistic about it. You know, we came in and we we knew that it was going to hurt and we knew it was going to hurt a lot. And we knew that it was going to be an uphill battle. And I think some people are sometimes unrealistic about the challenge that you will face as an entrepreneur. It's one thing to have a great idea and it's one thing to have a great concept. It's a whole nother ballgame when you actually get in it. And, and we always joke. I was sitting with my brother yesterday in our Cape Town offices, in our Cape Town offices. We have offices in Cape Town and in Johannesburg to give you perspective. So we're sitting together and he, he explained, he was explaining to me that, you know, we've been putting out fire since day one as a startup. And, and it's a yeah. crazy concept to understand that, but it's, it's something that you need to be really realistic about going into that. It's all good and well to have a great concept. Everyone, everyone has a great idea. And, you know, we see people, especially in our industry that have great ideas every day. But what separates, you know, a great idea from great execution is the ability to understand that you're going to, you will invariably face challenge. Challenge is, uh, it's the name of the game. And I don't think the challenge becomes less. And I, I know you've spoken to a wide array of people, some people far ahead of us, some people that are behind us in the timeline. And I think everyone would share the same sentiment that the challenges change, but the challenges don't go away. So we were comfortable knowing that, we understood that, and we were ready for that fight. And uh, we've taken it one day at a time, and we've taken the challenges as they've come. We've been mature about them, we've been realistic about them, and we've approached them with more of a problem-solving. It's it's quite interesting, you know, we've got these three partners, myself, Max, and John. We've approached them in a way that we understand that we're on the same team. We may have different ideas of execution. But we're all, we're, all, we're all in the room to execute the same mm. long-term vision. And we've been able to sit down and have very, very constructive conversations around overcoming challenge. And I think that's been the absolute game changer for us is the ability to actually sit down and, uh, and have conversations and, and hear everyone out and understand a way of, of moving forward with each challenge.
0: How did you know you were on to the next big thing? Were you having conversations with people and realizing this was a massive need? Um, where did that come into play?
1: Okay. So that's a cool question. Um, I, I'm not, and this could be controversial. I'm not a big believer in the next big thing. I've, okay. I've never been a big okay. believer in the next big thing. And it could be controversial because I'm sure there's a lot of people that do found the next big thing. Mm-hmm. I was always, a, I was always an advocate for finding somewhere where there was inefficiency, a market where there was inefficiency mm-hmm. or a market where we could do something better and, um, taking that and executing that vision. So, you know, I was sitting in South Africa. I was looking at businesses that had great cash flow and great concepts and, and, and were operational businesses. They were in business for a year, 18 months, two years. They had cash flow. They had track record, but they just didn't cross that line or qualify for that, uh, you know, th- that jump to to secure financing or, or, or lending on a bank level, on an institutional level. And that was really how we decided we were on to the next big thing, so to speak, quote unquote. Um. We realized that there was a gap in the market insofar as there was a, a, a sector to the market that was being underserviced or wasn't mm-hmm. being serviced correctly. Mm-hmm. And that's really what we tried to attack and what we tried to leverage off. Um, and interestingly, we thought that that gap would close, you know, the, the the gap that was underserved. But I think coming out of COVID, we've noticed that the gaps become, the gaps become bigger. The market's becoming less and less well-served. Our market's becoming less and less yeah. well served, so we we didn't we didn't sit around the table and look for the next big thing. We sat around the table and said, "Well, where the, where's there a market that's being underserved that we can try and come in and provide a product and a service that is valuable to the end user?"
0: I am still like my mind is still in the place of your experience and like what led you to build this company, and all I can think about is the fact that there's so many businesses out there that are wanting to go into a new direction and hire younger people with a fresh perspective, which I'm sure you and your team had not coming from a business where this is how you do things. This is the process. There's one way. Um, how do you feel that because of your experience or maybe lack of make you guys maybe better than your competitors?
1: Okay. That's a cool question. And I actually don't have the answer, but okay, I, have, okay, I, have okay, feed, okay. I have feedback to give.
0: Okay, please, um, please.
1: It's interesting. So we've grown our team hugely in the last year. We've gone from a te- we were we were a team last year, May, I think we were a team of four people. We're now a te- we're we're now a team of almost forty people. And hiring people is always an interesting thing. Um, it's always a fun thing and we joke you know, now that we're hiring more and more, the interview process has to be a, a lot more streamlined. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you know our process was always sitting down and having a cup of coffee a cup of coffee you know ended up being ordering lunch into the office uh, after lunch it ended up being getting another coffee and these interviews were taking two or three hours and um, sometimes four hours and you know sometimes we had people come to interviews and they actually left not really understanding if they'd been interviewed or not um, <laughs> but what we found is that the people that we were hiring, you know, out of out of corporate, you know, corporate workplaces, were coming into the business and weren't really understanding our way of doing things. Of course. Um, and sometimes we'd butt heads over that. They just wouldn't understand why we did things a certain way when they were done another way in another business. Yeah. So I think we st- we quickly started realizing that we had our own way of doing things. We built our systems, you know, from the ground up without mm. much understanding of what other people were doing. We were always very uh, – we always had uh, – is the word horse blinkers? We always had those horse blinkers on. We didn't really yeah. care what anyone else around us was doing. We cared about what we were doing. We were very focused on, on what we were doing, and it, it's quite interesting. I, I don't look at a competitor's website, or well, I call them colleagues, but I don't look at colleagues' websites or platforms or systems like that because we're really focused on what we're doing. And we did it through trial and error. You know, we, we, put, out a pro- we put out a process. We realized that the process wasn't working. So we changed the process and we'd find that, you know, this process, the new process was working at 70%. So we needed, we needed to tighten it up. We realized that the process that was working at 70% six months ago actually doesn't fit into how, you know, the business has evolved. And then we needed to scrap it and start something new. So there's a lot of trial and error. There's a lot of, uh, evolution, a lot of change and it's taken a lot of patience from our team, you know, you know, mm-hmm. to have it to to have management that walks into into a business development room, you know, every couple of months and says, okay, we're scrapping the way we're doing this. We're gonna try and do it this way. <laughs> Please everyone have faith in me, trust me, and, yeah. and, and, and you know, believe that what I'm saying is for the best. And let's give it a go. So yeah, we didn't come with a corporate background. We didn't come with, you know, an understanding of how these things should be done. We built them from the ground up, and we're actually really proud of that. Um, yeah. It's something that we, we take a lot of pride in, and I think it's something that make, makes us unique yeah. because I suppose no one else can go and do what we're doing because we so, it's it's sort of something we started, we did on our own.
0: What do you look for when interviewing? So maybe someone with a corporate background isn't the right fit. Is it hunger? Is it flexibility? Is it um, skill sets maybe that you guys are lacking? Yeah, what does that interview process look like? Do you guys have school cards?
1: I've always been a people's person. My brother's always been a okay. people's person, and Jonti's okay. also a people's person. And I think the thing that we're proudest about at GrowWise is our people. And it's it's been our it's it's been, I think, the reason why we've been able to to grow so quickly in such a short period of time. We've always been committed to people. We think that, you know, building a business is is done in equal measures. Ensuring that you you're providing, you know, maximum value to your to your client or your end user, but at the same time providing maximum value or or passing on maximum value to your to your teams. So do we hire based on if you were at a corporate or not? We don't really have rhyme or reason to that. Do we hire based on what your education was? We don't really have rhyme or reason to that. We hire based on certain character traits. We hire, the, like I always say, we hire the man or the woman, not the, not the, not the piece of paper. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's just always been our methodology of, of bringing people on board. And a, team serve, a team serve served us really, really well. And, you know, once a week I do, these, I do these weekly, you know, touch base with the team and I sit with them for 15, 20 minutes each. And I'm always taken by how happy people are at work. Um, and that's something that we're really, really proud of and something that we've really invested time, money and effort into. So how do we, do we have scorecards? Yeah, we have scorecards. We follow the conventional methodology, I suppose, from an HR perspective of hiring people, but uh, the interview process and our vetting process is anything but conventional. We really do hire the man. We hire for, we hire for loyalty, we hire for hunger, mm-hmm. we hire for, for, for strong character and I think it's really served us well. You know, we've had the right people. By hiring the right people, we've also been able to, you know, pivot people into different roles. I say we always hire for promotion inwards, not outwards.
0: Yeah, yeah. You mentioned being a people's person. How do you test for these things like loyalty? Like, how do you have a conversation with somebody? Is it a gut feeling? Um, what is, yeah, what is that?
1: If there's one piece of advice, I'm not sure if I'm qualified to pass it on or not, but if there's one piece okay. of advice I can always impart on people is that your gut feel comes before everything else if mm-hmm. if 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 that if that little knot in your tummy is telling you something's not right, that's probably not right mm-hmm. um but for us we always we always talk about the vibe check something we're very proud of it like in our company, is that it's yeah. it's an unbelievable vibe, and it's now gotten to the point where people approaching us saying like when, when am I getting my job? When, I, when am I getting involved in this thing? And the first thing we're not prepared to do is allow the chicken into the hen house. So mm-hmm. we we make sure that we're, we're bringing someone on board that will gel with the rest of our team and will be collaborative with the rest of our team and will get on with the rest of our team. And I always joke, you know, I, we have we have uh, we have our teams in Joburg and in Cape Town. These guys, I'm just I'll, I'll give you the specifics of both sides in Joburg. These guys work, you know. Typically, the guys are getting in at 8 a.m. and they're working after hours. And then they still want to play golf together on a Saturday and Sunday. Like, yeah. I just don't understand yeah. it. They don't want time, or time yeah. apart from each other. The guys in Cape Town have started their own soccer league. So they're finishing work after hours. They're bringing their clothes to work. And they're going to play soccer together. So I yeah. think a big thing for us was well, – or is, is looking for people that are prepared to work collaboratively with the team, prepared to be team players – um, and I think you instill quite, I think you instill loyalty and in those other character traits to a certain extent. You need yeah. from yeah. the top, you need from, I you lead like from that. the bottom. I like that. Um, and I think if, you know, if you can set the right example for how to behave and how to treat people and how to treat your clients, it's a massive, massive thing. How to treat your clients. It's not just about the sale. It's about, you know, actually, actually passing on value to the client. A lot of that stuff can be taught, or at least I'm of the impression that it can be taught.
0: You're making this all sound very easy. I'm sure it hasn't been smooth sailing, building the business. But what would you say are your greatest challenges as an entrepreneur? Um, What are the types of issues or challenges you face on a daily basis?
1: Look, merchant financing or alternate lending in South Africa is ever-changing. And I mean, we're always trying to stay ahead of the curve in so far as how to innovate our product, how to, you know, maximize, I suppose, every client's bank for their buck, how we can actually help them grow. So I think that's a challenge because if if you aren't fighting to stay ahead of the curve, and that also that that also you know runs onto you know the tech, the front side of things and the back end of things from a from an IT perspective. I think if you're not constantly trying to innovate and stay ahead of the curve, um that's something that you know. You know, if you do stay ahead of the curve, that's something that will stand you in really good stead. And it sounds like I'm just imparting something, but that is a big challenge. It's something that we view mm-hmm. as a challenge. It's something that keeps all our founders and a lot of our team up at night. You know, how do we how do we ensure that we're executing our vision in the most efficient, efficient and effective way possible? Mm-hmm. So that's a big thing. Um, I think you know the challenges at the beginning and. Uh, I mentioned this to a lot of people, but the challenges at the beginning when we started Growwise were: we have limited capital. Where do we allocate our capital? You know, what what are the fires that we need to be using our capital to to put out? Mm. My my view and my my partner's view from day one was always using our capital to to. To provide capital to to clients we have limited we have limited finance we'll build these systems when when we have the time and the money to build the systems right now let's just get money out to our clients let's provide value and you know a lot a lot can be said for for good service being something that's done on the phone done on email and actually just engaging and interfacing with clients so our big challenge was always and still is to this day is is what do we prioritize over what yeah, and, and those are really hard decisions to make at times. So I would say, you know, finding you know finding systems to leverage or finding cost-effective systems to leverage off um, dealing with tough clients. Um, it's it's a, it's a it's a very interesting thing, you know. I always say being in business development, especially in our business, you need to build a thick skin. Yeah. So it's 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 always interesting to watch new guys and how they evolve over time. I think that's probably the biggest part of my job is, is is sitting with, with our teams and and working through their challenges and working through their issues and and helping them out. And it's, it's the biggest challenge, but it's also the best. uh, It's my favorite part of running the business. And I to this day still sit with, I, I sit, I have an office. I'm currently sitting in my office, but during the day I sit, I have a, I have a cubicle in the business development room. And that's where I sit because I think that's where I pick up, you know, the, the uh, growing pains. I'm, mm-hmm. You know, you're on, we're on top of it. And we find the challenges, we try and alleviate them. I think yeah. the big thing with challenge is, you know, understanding and being really real about the fact that it's sometimes, it's sometimes more important to make a decision than not make a decision. And a lot of people sometimes sit on making decisions we're very big on making the decision, executing it. We know that sometimes we'll make the wrong decision, but at least we've done something. You know, and I'm a big yeah. advocate for doing something. You know, when, when the house is burning, run into the house and get people out. Um, yeah. If that was the wrong decision, we'll, we'll, we'll find out about that a little bit later. But, yeah. Um, but I'm a big advocate for identifying the challenge and executing the solution or ex- executing the remedy as fast as possible. Obviously, within Longer. you know, within correct correct consultation and, and understanding the, the challenge, but uh, definitely you know, quick execution is the name of the game.
0: Talking about business development through this podcast and and putting more focus on our brand Italian, and talent in the cloud, we've seen huge growth in our business and finance companies may not be as exciting, but how do you stay on top of market trends and grow a relatable brand while still delivering your maximum value to your clients?
1: So I I was actually chatting to John T a little bit earlier about this and it's interesting that it comes up, but we're saying, you know, everyone everyone always says finance is boring. Well, the (laughs) truth is finance is not boring. Finance is fun (laughs) and it's exciting and it is what you make of it. We've always been really proud of being a brand that's, you know, in, in, italic, in italics on trend. Um, I don't know if you follow our social media, and I hope that you do, and I hope that some yeah. of your, your your listeners follow our social media. But we've been very we, we've been very proud of being a brand that's on trend, being a tongue in cheek brand, so to speak. Um, and I don't think that's a massive challenge. Um, it's just, it's, it's just deciding how you want to fit into the, 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 the landscape of businesses. And we from day one always wanted to be something that was fun, exciting. We realized that, you know, we were always we were always coming off the back of the solar twenty nineteen speech, right, so we knew that the the entrepreneur of twenty thirty is only going to be in his early twenties or early thirties yeah. yeah so we need, we needed to come out in ways that would appeal to them and in ways that would differentiate us and it 's a crazy concept, you know, like our social media is a massive form of acquisition for us because that 's where that 's where the client is today that 's where the clients are that 's where the client's looking for for services for products. And we've always just tried to be something that's appealing. Uh, I'll link back, and she'll thank me for the mention later. But um, our head of marketing, and our head of uh, especially digital marketing, is 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 a girl named Jenna Babes, or a, a lady named named Jenna Babes, who's a who's a who's a, a quasi celebrity in her own right um you should watch her tiktoks at some point um but she's just hysterical and she she came into the office and she comes to the office every day and she just brings a side to finance that you know the conventional thinker wouldn't bring she brings creativity she brings innovation she brings she she brings a whole lot that you know we didn't think to bring in the beginning and mm. it's been a massive thing for us being something that's on trend and I often when we release a post on social media or in media I get these I get these uh I get messages and whatsapps and linkedin requests and instagram requests from tens if not, if not hundreds of people just sending me our, sending me the stuff that we've been distributing through grow yeah. and they love yeah. it they, they can't get enough of it um so that's just been a massive thing for us is being a company that's on trend making finance fun making finance exciting making finance understandable i think that's a huge huge thing is that you know finance metrics they're not complicated metrics they can sound very complicated but you know if you're able to quote them in a way that's simple to understand and for people to really be able to digest the basics of it it's actually it's actually, it's a really exciting thing to try and create and, and grow your brand in a way that people understand. I often say, I don't think people understand finance fully when they get into it. You, you're talking about the client, obviously not the, not the provider. And that's been something that's big for us is, is, is giving clients the capacity to understand financing in an exciting way.
0: Fantastic. Seb, thank you so much for sharing all your insights. It was great having you on the podcast
1: great thank you very much uh, i really enjoyed it and i hope i was able to to add some value and i look forward to speaking again soon
0: of course where's the best place for listeners to reach you
1: so i'm on linkedin my linkedin profile is sebastian cohen and i'm sure there's quite a few but you'll find me as the ceo of grow somewhere on linkedin Um, Yeah, that'll be the best place to reach me. Uh, I'm very responsive. You're more than welcome to reach out to me on message or however you see fit. And I'm very responsive and I'm always prepared to make time to chat.
0: Great. Thanks, Seb.
1: Stacey, thanks. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Talking Success, connecting the global fintech community. Feel free to follow us on LinkedIn at Talent in the Cloud. And if you're interested in exec talent, expanding your team, or you yourself are looking for a new, exciting change in your career, check out our website, talentinthecloud.io.